Assalamu alaikum. Very good day to uh, everybody. Today we will continue our recording on uh, RM, um, Law of Thought RMT555. Yeah, guys, um, Law of Thought is one of my favorite topics uh, apart from contracts, especially in session law, simply because um, the possibility under Law of Thought is huge. So basically, if under law of contract, when someone breaches the contract, you can sue them. Depending on the contracts, you know who are the parties. However, uh, under law of thought, things are a bit different because you might not know, and the one who breached his duty towards you, and suddenly uh, the law makes him responsible for the injuries he caused. So it is a very interesting topic for me, and I will try to share with you the elements of law of thought and how it can um, it relates to construction industry. So what is law of thought? So if you refer to the slide number two, rule of law, rule of law, you need to understand first how the law works. The law have uh, various uh, objective. It meant it is meant to protect the rights of persons and the society. It Come, it works in two ways by compensating for the wrongs suffered and by punishing the wrongdoer. Okay, when we talk about the compensation function, it is the rule of law of thought and partly law of contract, whereas punishment is the domain of criminal law. By the process of identifying the wrongs and compensating them through the award of damages, Law of thought attempts to allocate losses of distributive frist, which are inevitable in the modern society in the manner conducive to justice, equity, as well as fairness. Independent of criminal or contract law, thought law provides individuals and groups with redress for injury to every dimension of life, be it physical injury, property damages or personal insult. So, some people talk about saman malu. So, it is some sort of personal insult. The more industrialized the society, then there will be a more complication to the life we are living. So, in this situation, uh, there will be a lot of issues raised by the society when it comes to law of thought. So, a thought is a different than a crime. So, uh, basically, what is a crime? A crime is a wrong against the society. So, someone commit murder, he not just kill someone, he also commit a wrongdoing to the whole society because the act of murdering someone, the act of taking other people's life is not acceptable by any standard of any society. So, in that scenario, criminal law procedures will be applied. So, how uh, criminal law works. The criminals are arrested by the government in the form of a police officers. Right? Criminals are then be prosecuted by the government officials, which is the probably prosecutor, the prosecutor after the investigations are completed and the report the charges are completed by the AG chambers. Criminals are punished by government officer, which is they send the criminals to the prison or any other sort of punishment, including hang to death. So this is a crime. 
Okay, the government is the plaintiff and the criminal is the defendant. So it is between the plaintiff, between the defendant. So that's the parties involved. So there, there's an example of um, crime, criminal actions. So for example, if you look at slide number eight, there's an example where if your neighbor dumps 55 gallon drum of toxic chemicals on your property. What kind of offense that? Okay, it is actually a crime against the environment. Although it's on your property, but it damages the environment. So when it is a crime against the environment, it is a crime against all of society, not only you. Although the dumping was done on your property. Okay, let's say the criminal is arrested for vandalism, prosecuted, found guilty, goes to jail, and he has to pay for his crime. Okay, after certain duration of years for the crime he did, he served the time in the prison, he finally gets out of jail. Uh, then we talk about civil law. It was criminal law. What happened to your property? Remember, he dumped the chemicals on your property. It is an offense towards the environment and towards the whole society. And he served his time in the prison. So that's it. However, your property is being um, polluted by the chemical. Someone needs to pay to clean up the mess. So what about that? Though he has been punished by imprisonment term, but you still need to clear the pollution. So this is where civil law comes in. A crime, criminal act can also be a thought. So although the criminal has paid for his crime to the society through the imprisonment term, he hasn't paid to clean the mess, which is the pollution he made on the property. In such a way, the person who wronged, which is you, should be made to put things back to the way they were before. The uh, criminal offenders committed the wrong action. So in a way, there are two scenarios there. Number one, when he breached a criminal, of, when he committed commi criminal offenses, he actually being uh, regarded as criminals and now being uh, imprisoned, has been, he has served his terms. The other way around, he also is possible to you as a land property owner, land owner, and he must compensate you for the damages he did on your property. So that's the basically the differences between criminal law and civil law. And in the civil law, we are we are referring it to law of thought. So law of thought is an action that you can sue someone for. A thought is an action that you can sue someone for. It usually involves personal injury. Usually either physical or financial. On page, on slide number 17, civil law in the, uh, our contact now is tort law. Not only do that uh, the wrongdoer to be punished by the government in the criminal system justice, money for damages from the wrongdoer in the civil justice system also required. So at least you can settle the score. So now that's basically the differences between criminal law and tort law. And then there are various aspects of tort law. Technically, there are many. However, there are few which relates directly to construction. And on slide number, nine, number 18, on slide number 19, sorry, uh, we have listed branches of tort law which um, uh, relates mostly to the construction industry, which is negligent, 
trespassing and nuisance. Alright, I will continue the discussion of these branches in my next uh, discussion. Okay, let's continue guys. Um, I've mentioned to you about the types of uh, tortious liability available, mainly the one related to construction industry. Uh, to technically, I mentioned three aspects of law of thought, which is negligent, transparency and nuisance. So I want to talk about negligent first. Negligent is a part of law of thought. So basically, in order for you to commit, I mean, in order for you to uh, found someone responsible for negligence, you need to have four elements. Number one, duty of care. Number two, breach of that duty of care. Number three, there must be an injury suffered by the victim. And number four, there must be a link, causation link between the breach of the duty of care as well as um, the injury suffered. So this is basically the concept of negligence. So what is meant by duty of care? So there is a basic landmark case when it relates to law of thought of negligence. The case was mentioned in the uh, in the uh, it is an English case under the name of Donohue versus Stevenson. So in this particular case, we have. Um, Miss Donohue, she was uh, she she was given a bottle of ginger beer in an opaque bottle. Someone bought it, and then her friend bought it and gave it to her, and she drank the ginger beer until the last drop. And upon completion, that that later that she found out there is a decomposed snail inside them ginger beer and what happened to her as a result of drinking the contaminated ginger beer she suffered from illness and and then uh, uh, due to that she tried to look for uh, compensation she want to sue someone responsible for that and responsible for her injury um, so if you look at the scenario and uh, the, the facts of the case uh, the she tried to sue at the, the first place she tried to sue the shop however the shop says you miss donahue cannot sue me because you there, there there was no contract between us if you remember i mentioned about law of contract and i will give the example of someone buying a bread and it is actually a contract but in this case, it wasn't Miss Donohue who bought the ginger beer. It was her friend who bought the ginger beer and gave it to her. So actually, there was a contract, but not involve Miss Donohue. It involved her friend and the shop. So Miss Donohue cannot proceed with this option because there was no contract involved between her and the shop. And she tried to sue the manufacturer. Uh, the manufacturer said on what capacity and this is where the court uh, evolved and come up with the principle of law of thought. Number one, there must be a duty of care because it's, you still can be made responsible if you owe a duty of care. To whom? To your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? The term used is a neighbor. So it's not actually the physical neighbor that we understand under the English term. There, this is a concept under English 
lot of thought as what is meant by neighbor so a neighbor is someone that you can foresee where uh, that if your action will um, affect him so you, you if you if you are in that scenario you are actually you owe a duty of care to your neighbor so let's put it like this if you can foresee by way of your action for example you have a corridor and then you keep on throwing banana you peel a banana the skin you keep on throwing on the corridor and then it's a foreseeable thing that the um, people will walk through the corridor and also foreseeable that the banana skin is slippery and if someone uh, misstep on it he can fall down and suffer from injury so in that scenario it is foreseeable and you actually owe the of care to those people who walk through the corridor and those people is actually your neighbor and if the uh, the unwanted incident does happen uh, so you have breached your duty you, you owe the of care you breach the duty by throwing the banana skin and then injury suffered by the person who step on it and fall and there is actually a link between your breach by throwing the banana skin on the corridor and then the injury suffered by the victim so actually in that scenario you owe duty of care which is not to throw the banana skin anywhere especially on the corridor you breach that duty someone step on it accidentally and fall and then suffered from injury so you owe duty you owe uh, duty of care to him and you need to compensate for the injury for the damages alright so uh, the scenario must be just unreasonable and there must be a link between them for example if she fall down I mean I'm referring back to the example of the banana skin if the victim falls down and then suffered from injury then it's okay then you can establish uh, tortious liability of negligence however if she fall down but she did not suffer any injury however after 10 steps she uh, by her high heel snap and then she, she fell down for the second time and then she suffered injury because of uh, the heels snap the high heels the, the shoes snap so you cannot link between the injury she suffered by way of uh, her own fault and the stepping of the banana skin although she stepped on the banana skin but she's not suffered anything there was no injury on the, in the first incident however the injury was resulted from the second incident there was no link so you can prove that then uh, you can uh, uh, establish that you are not owing him any uh, compensation because there was no link between between the injury and your breach of duty so test of breach of duty of care so them not all thing can be considered as duty of duty of care imposed on the on the person under law of thought so there must be a test you need to limit it or else it will be a floodgate and everybody can say anyone is owing them duty of care so the court have stated certain tests which is termed as reasonable 
men test so it depends on classes of uh, people and practice and knowledge at the time of alleged breach so i give you an example of uh, highland tower case so in the highland tower case one of the defendant was the engineer uh, involved in the foundation work of the tower and then during that time they use uh, some sort of technology piling technology they call rail piping piling something like that all right so there were arguments that the engineer was uh, negligent already to the to the people of Highland Tower and they was negligent in the preparation of the foundation the court says when looking at the scenario during that time of the construction of Highland Tower the technology acceptable for such project was the rail pipe rail pipe piling works so the engineer uh, if you ask any other engineers during that time or of that particular size and nature of project that will be the acceptable kind of uh, piling works piling technology at that moment so the engineer was held not to be responsible because they are using uh, the technology acceptable and uh, this has been supported by the engineer very own class so adi if you ask any other engineers of that time of that technology they will still give the same answer and they will use that same technology so it is a practice and knowledge of that time and it has been observed and adhered to by the defendant in Highland Tower there are no negligence there however if you still of today you use the same technology it wouldn't be the technology acceptable by today's standard so if you use that technology today in uh, in the construction of high rise building then uh, if anything happened to that building you might be held responsible because of we have a better technology that can avoid any issues right so this is also the reason why the uh, improvement to your knowledge is required and improvement can come in many ways including cpd points courses so apart from from uh, arguing the importance of uh, cpd point courses so you can look uh, at it from this angle as well right so basically what does it mean that you look at you will look at what other reasonable men will do in such scenario so referring back to the uh, uh, banana skill banana skin example illustration so what will other reasonable men do in such situation will they throw a banana skin on corridor so i i reckon general population will say no and then the general population will foresee that banana skin will be very slippery and if someone fall it is acceptable that you must they might suffer from injury due to that fall misstepping on the banana skin so this is the test that we use in determining the the duty of care imposed on certain people so it depends on your professional profession as well so if you are a doctor so they will ask the class of doctor of your practice so there are many cases when we talk about professional negligence medical negligence so do you, the doctor need to cut or not to cut what kind of medicine to be given you know uh, so in that scenario the 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 class another class of doctor will get testify and then the the court will based on that and come to the 
conclusion whether they must, they, there should be a duty of care or not. I'm back. Um, we will now talk about categories of thought. So I, I mentioned to you earlier, we have uh, negligence, we have um, we have trespass and nuisance. So all these branches of thought can be categorized. Uh, it can be intentional or deliberate acts that cause injury or loss, which is da- done on purpose. And we all can categorize these branches as careless or negligent act that cause injury or loss. It can be accidental or unintentional. So from the wording, you can see negligent is a careless act that cause injury. However, trespass and nuisance, it can be categorized as intentional thought, right? Which is uh, done uh, on purpose. So these are the category of thought. And today, and now I'm discussing to you, with you, the un- the intentional thought under the category of. Uh, under the branch of negligence, uh, sorry, under the branch of trespass and nuisance. So, intentional conduct that causes injury, that is intentional thought. The, the example to it can be trespass to land, uh, false imprisonment, assault and battery, as well as defamation. And in this kind of, uh, this type of intentional thought, the court, apart from compensating the victim, may also impose award which is punitive in nature. So it can be damages, imposed compensation, and it can be punitive in nature. What does it mean by punitive? Punitive, exemplary. You want to punish the other party because it is done perhaps intentionally. Okay, there are few uh, few contexts of intentional thought, assault and battery, one of it. For example, assault, it is where you threaten people, you fear of contact. You mean somehow, for example, it happened on the road where one, two cars are involved in the accident and then the, uh, the, the front car, for example, are not happy with the, the car behind uh, him. The driver is not happy because the car behind him rammed into his back come out from the car with a parang, with a long knife in his hand and threaten to to inflict injuries to the driver at the back. Although there were no contact, but that action of him caused fear to the driver, to the other driver. And this can be uh, categorized as assault. Battery, the other way thing, there must be a touching. Okay, there must be a contact, right? So this is uh, assault and battery. And then we also have trespass on land, part of the category of intentional thought. So it is about entering another's land without authority. However, it is implied permission for business offering public services, right? However, if a normal office, personal office, if you enter it, not offering any public services, you can be uh, considered as trespassing. Occupiers owes only minimal duty to trespasser. And continuing trespass remedied by injunction. What does it mean? Occupier owes only minimal duty. So you still have, you mean for, if someone, it's a kid for example, comes and trespass your property, 
It's a very innocent kid. They know they they are, they are trespassing into that particular construction site, but they are innocent not to steal nothing. And then you cannot shoot them, shoot to kill. You can't do that. So you still owe a duty of care. However, you still owe a minimal duty to trespasser. But yeah, eventually you still cannot shoot them because they are school kid. No harm. They are just simply want to um, explore the area, right? And in the other way around, you still owe a duty of care. You need to properly fence the whole site, or else, if you are found uh, not to sufficiently fence your construction area, construction site, and people simply can uh, trespass, walk into the area, and they are the ones suffered injury due to your negligence in fencing your construction area you will be the one responsible in the other in the other way around so there was uh, various cases where for example construction of school located in the in uh, surrounded by uh, housing estates by by houses where you can expect the those houses will be occupied by small kids and school children and then in the construction of this school the contractor failed to properly fence the site and then it is expected it is reasonably to be expected that school boys when they are not at school during their free time in the evening they will uh, wander around and it is to be expected that the nature of kids they might try to explore certain area and it is to be expected that they might they might trespass into the construction site if you fail to properly fence it so this is uh, there was uh, a lot of reported cases in the newspaper and on TVs where, um, for example, two school uh, children draw, were found drowned in the in the Indah water uh, pond. Uh, and when later the authority found that that the contractor had did, did not fence the area properly, so. They were allowed trespass to happen, and in this case, uh, the, the contractor were found guilty for their failure to properly secure the site. Right? So, although uh, it is a wrong action by the by the kids to trespass into the site, but yet again, if you are, can, if you are the one also contributing to it by failure to properly secure the area, you can also be held responsible, not simply the trespasser. Right, so uh, there's uh, something about trespassing. Right, trespass to land. I have mentioned to you, and then with, there will be also another branch of law of thought in the form of nuisance. Nuisance, unlike trespass, does not necessarily involve any physical interference of a person's property. So it's not about people going into your site. It's not about that. It is about um, some sort of uh, uh, some sort of interference to your emotional, to your senses. For example, by way of noise, vibrations, projection of light, as well as unpleasant smell. So this uh, element, as I mentioned to you, are they very familiar on construction site? Noise, vibrations, lights, smell. So these are basically the the elements that we always see on the construction site and if it is not controlled, you the contractor can be held responsible for nuisance.
Alright. Does it mean that you cannot do your work? Yes, but you must be reasonable. For example, if if uh, uh, you you are constructing, for example, that school within surrounded by the housing area, you cannot continue your work until twelve o'clock midnight to do the piling work because at that time this is accepted that people around the area are going to sleep. Alright, so your working hours must be reasonable. Alright, or else you can be held responsible for nuisance. So the bottom line here is to understand reasonableness. What is reasonableness? When you can do that and when you cannot do that. So again, it's a question of facts. And as I mentioned earlier, the test of reasonableness depends on the class of people at that moment, at that time, with that sufficient particular knowledge of the moment will determine what is reasonable and what is not so guys so i have covered a bit of nuisances uh, over there so notes yet again will be uploaded and you can refer to the notes to understand um, these particular thoughts so if there is uh, any issues you want to raise you can uh, always text me via whatsapp and we have a discussion on that if there are many questions i will compile it and then i will answer uh, before my next recording for the next session all right so be careful be safe um, that's all for me for this week thank you very much